Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today I want to engage us in a conversation, beginning from a perspective of a debate that um, one group of fellows started once between another group of individuals. And uh, the question was, fundamentally, the Bible says, for example, that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord doth deliver him from all of them. And so, in that acceptation, which is actually true, the question then was, does that imply that it's okay or normal for a believer to be attacked or afflicted you know, diseased, all these kinds of things, I say that it happens. And the scriptures agree. And then from there, some formed the doctrine that, you know, as long as I'm in this body, it's okay to fall sick. As long as I know that the Lord will deliver me from it. Oh, it's okay to be poor as long as I know that I will come out one day of that poverty. And so, in the expectation of God's divine health and provision, there is a settling, there is a comfort with disease and poverty and all these kinds of negative things as part of the whole process that makes us sons of God, but also human beings. And I could say that to a certain extent or to some extent, that is true according to the realm or dimension that a man is able to behold. Because when we start talking about vision, there is that which is outward and it's for the physical eye to see. And there's that which we call the inner vision of the spirit. The vision of the inner man. And that vision also has degrees or levels of vision. Some see impressions and understand God in parables and proverbs. They understand God through that kind of speech. They relate with the things of the Spirit through proverbs and parables. And so the interpretation of things is only limited to the level of how they are able to understand because God sees at their level if it's not a parable, it's not an adage, if it's not a proverb, if it is not a story, they will not understand. And that level as well understands God wherever they are. Some truths are greater than other truths and yet all are truths. Some truths are bigger than other truths. And you choose, for example, in the Old Testament, 
circumcision was given to the descendants of Abraham. And that's the truth. But in the New Testament, we don't talk about the circumcision of the flesh, but the circumcision of the heart. You see? Because in the New Testament, we have no confidence in the flesh. So, is it true that God had a covenant with Abraham and his descendants concerning circumcision? True. But is it true also that us which are in the New Testament dispensation worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh? Therefore, we are of the circumcision of the heart. That's true also. So, the circumcision of the heart is a higher or a greater truth than the circumcision of the flesh. So if somebody says, you know what? Me, I want to circumcise according to the Abrahamic covenant. They've not seen. But that has no intrinsic value spiritually of connecting them to this dispensation because God has gone past the circumcision of the flesh to justify a man's spirit. For our justification is through faith and with a heart a man believes and confession is made to salvation. You see that? So it depends on where you are. And so they are true to say many are the affliction of the righteous. We all agree that many are the affliction of the righteous. And sometimes when we're ministering to people, we will claim those scriptures too and say many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord doth deliver them from it. Because there are people who are there, who are in affliction at that moment. Okay? But there are people who have surrounded themselves around that kind of doctrine and have established that it is okay for me to fall sick. It's part of my life as a human being. As long as God is available to deliver me, it's okay for me to be troubled and attacked and afflicted in some ways because as long as God is on my side, he'll take me out of it. And you're true, you're right. Things will come, they'll hit you and God will take you away or deliver you from those attacks or distractions anyway. So they are true and right at their level. Okay, so the debate was between these individuals and a group of small individuals of whom I was among that said, but it's also possible for the man or believer of God not to be afflicted, not to be diseased, not to go through pain, not to carry poverty, not to, you know, be afflicted with the things that afflict the sons of men. And so the debate ensued. The beauty is that this debate was a love kind of debating, we were not debating to win, we were debating to know the truth. Unfortunately, that conversation was not finished. Why? Because some people desire to level truth according to their own personal experiences. Even when truth spells things beyond our abilities and the function of our flesh and the senses, sometimes we prefer to define truth only from where we sense and function in the flesh. And brethren, that's a limitation of God. That's a limitation of God's power. That's a limitation of God's glory. That's a limitation of God's truth. So the question was, why was there a decision? Why were we arguing with certain individuals? I'll tell you why. The spirit minister to me and said, was many, many years ago. He said, their problem is not actually what you think it is. You think that probably they're not able to understand this particular truth that it's possible for a man to be above sickness, above destruction, above disease, above attacks. And I used to think that was their problem. It was hard for them to comprehend because it was too good to be true or that it could not allude to their physical senses. 
And God said, even higher than that, he said, they have not understood the doctrine of righteousness. Wow. He said, they have not understood the doctrine of righteousness. So the Bible speaks of men which are inexperienced and unskilled in the doctrine of righteousness. And the Bible says they're using milk. They are of the milk, not the meat of righteousness. And such people, the Bible says, for he is a babe. The Amplified Version, Hebrews 5.13 says that everyone who continues to feed on milk, he says, is obviously inexperienced and unskilled in the doctrine of righteousness, of conformity to the divine will, purposes, thoughts, and actions. For he is a mere infant. And I love how the Amplified emphasizes it. He says, not able to talk yet. But what does it mean, not able to talk yet? It means that they're not able to relate or communicate with the higher realms of the spirit. They're not able to communicate with the higher realms of the spirit. They are merely awakened to the first things of the principles of the spirit. And they need a working process to continue in this experience of being awakened, enlightened by the word of God so they can understand exactly how the spirit realm works. But it's possible for a man to be unskilled. And so they skill in handling the doctrine of righteousness. They said to me, this is the reason they did not understand the doctrine of righteousness. When Paul is speaking in Philippians, the third chapter, one time the spirit ministered to me, asked me a very fundamental question. Why was Paul willing to hand over everything that gave him glory in the world of men? Yet, for all terms and purposes, many people live for that kind of glory with people. As you can say, no, you know what? It's because of God born again. No, you're actually speaking that way because you have an example with him. But not many people are able to understand what Paul had to submit over. And he says, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. Philippians, third chapter, if you read from the Amplified Version. He says in the fourth verse, though for myself, I have at least grounds to rely on the flesh. If any other man considers that he has or seems to have reason to rely on the flesh and his physical outward advantages, he says, I have way more to rely on my physical and outward advantages. He says, I was circumcised, when I was eight, I was of a race of Israel. And you know what Israel represents in the world, biblically? And he says, I was of the tribe of Benjamin, which was a very notable tribe in the Jewish people. And a son of the Hebrews, as to the observance of the law, he says, I was of the party of the Pharisees. And as of to my zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. And by the laws standard of righteousness, the supposed justice, uprightness, and right standing with God. He says, I was proven to be blameless. Now, let's first understand that. If you're talking about the law, the Ten Commandments, Paul was proven. He was not just confident or self-confident in himself, delusional about what his expressions were. He was proven to be without fault. He was blameless and no fault was found with him. But he says, but so whatever things I had that might have been gains to me, all of these things were gains. He says, I have counted loss or considered one combined loss for Christ's sake. And he says, for furthermore, 
I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage. Listen to those words. The overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, the extreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of progressively, now don't you underline that, of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake, he says, I have lost everything and consider all to be mere rubbish in order that I may win, gain Christ, the anointed one. Now listen, this is where the Spirit now begins to minister. And he says, what is Paul willing to release for the excellence of knowledge? And what is this excellence of knowledge? What really is for this excellence? What is that which passes for the excellence of this knowledge? And he continues in the ninth verse, and I want you to hear that, that I may actually be found and known as in him. Listen, that I may actually be found and known as in him. That if people should seek me, they can only find me in God. Now, now that's an interesting statement, especially for you women who are looking for husbands. Oh, I want a husband. He that findeth a wife, yeah? But where will he find you? Is he going to find you in God? Are you so dipped in God that if a man should seek you, he has to go in God first to find you? Or are you so open and available, even to the world? You see, even as believers, besides marriage, when men seek us, where do they find us? So the Bible says, Paul says, that I may actually be found and known as in him, that if people should seek me, they can only find me where God is. And if should people know me, they can only know me by God. They cannot know me by anything else but by God. It's possible to be known only by God. Now listen to that. Now we're in the doctrine of righteousness. Not having any self-achieved righteousness. Because the righteousness is achieved by the self in your own works and abilities. He says not having any self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own based on my obedience to the law's demands, the ritualistic uprightness and supposed right standing with God thus acquired. He says, but possessing that genuine righteousness. Now listen, so if this righteousness of God is the genuine one, what about the one that is imposed by self-ability and emphasis and strength? What is that which is self-achieved? If the God kind of righteousness is the genuine righteousness, what is that which is self-achieved? What's the opposite of genuine? Fake. So he says that I might possess the genuine righteousness which comes through. Listen, how does the genuine one come? He says it comes through faith in Christ Jesus, the anointed one, the truly right standing with God which comes from God and he calls it by saving faith. So if we're talking about the genuine righteousness, which is of God, that comes by saving faith. It can only come by faith. So, this is what I mean. If you go the way of self-improvement, self-application, and all these kinds of things to achieve a righteousness with God, that is fake because it's begun by you. Okay, so how then do I get the genuine one or genuine one? Simple. He says that one is achieved by simply believing in God. He said, I believe in Christ as one which died and was raised for my glory. And I believe by faith, 
What is faith? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He says, I believe that I'm justified by God through faith. He says, that is genuine faith. That is the real genuine faith righteousness and that is the righteousness which is of God. The Bible says in Romans 3:20 he says and now the righteousness of God has been revealed witnessed or testified by the prophets and the law. Even the righteousness of God he says which is by faith of Jesus Christ and to all and upon all them that believe for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Even me who is speaking and the most anointed man of God, you know. He says, but we are justified freely through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So it settles in your life that regardless of what you do or what you have done, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You settle it in your spirit. Why? Because your righteousness like the Bible says, is through faith, not of works, that you should boast. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 1. He says, I'm Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. Listen, through the word, the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus. That means you not only obtain righteousness through faith, but you preserve the grace of faith operating on your life through the same righteousness we receive through faith. So by faith, we receive righteousness. Then that righteousness maintains and grows our faith. You see that? So just then ending the faith, because he talked about saving faith. There are two realms of faith. Okay? There is that which saves the saving faith. And there's that faith with which we live by after we're born again. It's a saving faith grants us that righteousness. And this righteousness preserves us in the faith we live by. For the just shall live by faith. You see that? The just shall live by faith. Faith and justification or righteousness are one. They're married in the spirit. I want you to follow that. What was disturbing our people? Let me read for you some in Romans chapter 1, the 16th verse in the Amplified Version. You're going to love this. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Christ. For it is God's power working unto salvation for the deliverance from eternal death. That's why he's not ashamed. That's why we preach everywhere. Because why do we witness? Why do we find ourselves talking to people about Jesus Christ? Why do we find ourselves expressing ourselves about Jesus Christ? It's very simple. Because we believe that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew and to the Gentile. So, those of you who don't witness, finish a year without talking about Jesus, you're even ashamed to hold the Bible. You're too cool to speak to people about Jesus Christ, yet you tune in these services every day. They bless you silently. But you're too shy to send a link to somebody 
because you don't want them to think of you as funny. In fact, I know people who consume the message like drugs. You know how guys hide themselves and then they take a little weed and then they come up with their eyes funny. But you see, it's interesting because when you tune in, it means it doesn't matter how much you hide it, it will still spill out of you. Why? Because when that word enters you, <laughs> the Bible says it does not return back void. What do you think God was up to when you were tuning in? No. He was working something in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. The Bible says, he that tarries around wine longer. What happens? The Bible says their eyes will become red. If a man drinks for so long, what happens? That man's eyes will turn. It's the same thing. The Spirit of God is like a wine. He says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. He gives a similitude there. He gives a similarity there. So when you tarry around the word longer, something in you starts to change. You can hide it all you want, but all of a sudden one day it will just spill out of you even when you don't expect it, when you didn't calculate it. Why? Because it has to come out anyway. So the quicker you do it, the better. So I'm saying, you will receive the word and it blesses you. I meet many of you. Oh, apostle, I watch your sermons. I watch your sermons. You bless me. Sometimes I want to ask people, and who then do you share it with? Because somebody gave you that life. Somebody one time loved you enough to give you that link. They had to go beyond to see the power of God unto salvation. And they extended life through that link. Yeah, they might not watch it. Or somebody might watch two, three minutes. But you have done your part. Keep doing it. Keep sending the word. That's evangelism. In this COVID season, some people call it the new normal. I refuse to call it the new normal. Because COVID will go. And the real normal will appear. It can only be defined by a move of the spirit. Not a disease in the world. So yes, probably you're not able to meet that person. Because of social distancing. Some of you are isolating. Yes. But you can do it by sending a link. Just send. Just preach. So anybody who is ashamed of the gospel of Christ is somebody who has not yet understood the power that works to salvation. If you understand the power of God that worketh for our salvation, you will want to give life to everybody because that's the only essence of expressing God's love to mankind. You don't love your relatives by paying their school fees. You don't love your friends by taking them for a meal or a cup of coffee. You don't love your friends by sending them a very nice video telling them good morning. You can only love people by sending the message of Jesus Christ to them. So Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. The Amplified emphasizes for deliverance from eternal death. And he says, to everyone who believes with a personal trust and a confident surrender and firm reliance to the Jew first and to the Greek also. And he continues in the 17th verse. You're going to love this. For in the gospel. Now I wonder if somebody can preach the gospel and not emphasize this, then they're not preaching the gospel. That's why Paul says, let them be accursed if they preach any other gospel. If any man or even an angel preach any gospel than we have preached, he said, let him be accursed. That's the second time the curse is pronounced in the New Testament dispensation. The first curse is a man which is under the law in the dispensation of grace. And the second realm of curse is if a man preaches any other message except the message of grace. He says, let him be a curse. Except the message of righteousness imputed by faith. He says, let him be a curse. Even if an angel comes from heaven, but he's preaching contrary, let him be a curse. You see? Listen, he says, 
For in the gospel is a righteousness which God ascribes. And that righteousness, he says, is revealed. That means the New Testament message is a revelation of the righteousness of God which is ascribed. That is in the gospel. So you cannot preach the gospel if this emphasis is not defined to men. He says, but springing from faith. You see what I say? It springs from faith to get that righteousness. But that righteousness also leads to faith. It leads to faith. So it means, yes, you have the faith that got you born again. Yes, you have the faith in God that he can do this and all do that. But if you don't understand the doctrine of righteousness, you are going to be a babe in the ministration of faith. You'll not be able to believe for bigger stuff. Hallelujah. You'll not be able to connect to greater faiths. So you see, he says, this righteousness is revealed but springing from faith and leading to faith. Listen, disclose through the way of faith that arouses more faith. You see that? So the way of faith shows you righteousness imputed by faith and not of works. And once you get a hold of that, it arouses more faith. So, the Bible says, as it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live by faith. Shall live by faith. So if a man is through faith made just and upright, that man also can only live by faith because that justification came through faith, but that justification leads to more faith, arouses more faith springs up into more faith. So if you don't understand the doctrine of righteousness, it means that you will be stuck in your place of faith. And this is what was disturbing these people. They are only in the realm of faith where they can accept certain things to happen to them because it's humanity. And then they said, you people teach that we don't fall sick. <laughs> so they laugh. You people teach that we can't be poor. And then one fellow asked me, do you live on this planet? One actually even asked me, did you go to Bible school? I think you need to go to Bible school because you're misinterpreting scripture and preaching the wrong doctrine. So he said, why? Because he's gone to Bible school and he has a master's in theology. Oh my God, he's studying theology. And so he thinks that that can substitute the personal experience with which Christ reveals himself to men. Which Bible school did Paul go to? I'm not saying that I'm against Bible school, but I'm saying it's not the destiny of every man and woman to go through Bible school because there are people who are taught differently. Oh, we found a man casting out devils in your name and we forbid him because they didn't follow with us. If I didn't follow us, he says, uh-uh, if he's not against us, it's for us. But they don't know that they need to walk with them to be taught of God. I don't need to belong to your church to be taught of God. I don't need to go to your Bible school to know God. I need to know God. That's the most important thing. That's eternal life, to know the one true God and His only Son, Jesus Christ. But the way to which I know Him is His business. It's His business. Saul of Tarsus, now Paul, did not learn Jesus because somebody expressed Him by teaching. He was a light by the noon on his way to Damascus. And salvation came. So don't limit people to 
your way of salvation. Don't limit people to your way of faith. And don't judge everybody who doesn't believe like you to say that they are fake or they are wrong because they don't believe. God emphasizes that there are places where our faith can only be personal. He says, do you have faith? He says, have it to yourself. Have it to yourself. And there's a lesson there because sometimes we then try to judge men according to our faith. But I've also seen men who impose their faith on other men. Some just don't judge, but some impose their faith on other men. You understand what I'm saying? How can you be sick when I'm not sick? Listen, this individual cannot connect to you because you're healthy. And that is why we apply wisdom. That is why we apply wisdom. Scripturally, we can actually carry men by faith. But you cannot carry men by faith for so long. You cannot carry men by faith for so long. There comes a point or a time where you must liberate that man or woman to knowing God for himself and believing God for himself. It's the right way. You see, if I don't believe that I can catch a disease by sitting next to a person with that disease, that's my faith. And it works for me. But I should not impose that faith on everybody to assume that they're where I'm at. Because people out of that kind of foolishness die. Or somebody should not assume that because I have that faith, that means that they have that faith too. And express themselves in places that could cause danger for their lives because they're trying to move on my faith. I remember back in school, I had a friend of mine who was so close. And I was the kind who would sit in class and grasp. So when a teacher is teaching, and I hear a teacher teaching, I grasp. 90% of the stuff I grasp. So usually at the end of term, I just go through my notes. One hour, and I'm good. I'll pass my exam. As that kind of person. As not the kind to sit down for revision every night until it gets into my head. You understand what I'm saying? I used to get stuff in class. So I have this fellow who walks with me, and he's not reading. He's not reading. He's just not reading. You see? And, you know, we get to the end of term and my grades are very good and the guys performed so badly. So I call him. I say, look, don't rely on the way my brain and mind works. And I say that in love. I was trying to tell him, look, there are people who just sit in class and they grasp. And the people who can grasp anything in class but when they start reading and revising, they pass. Actually, maybe you're the revising kind. Revise. Because if you tie yourself around my faith, you'll fail. And indeed failed. Why? Because he thought that he could work the way I was working. Also, when I'm not reading, he's not reading. And some of you are like that. When you see some people not praying, you don't pray. You don't know what relationship they share with God. And before you know that, at the end of the day, the closest starts speaking. The closest speak. Every man's closet speaks. And so you find a guy with results, he's opening blind eyes, he's doing miracle signs and wonders. You're like, but I was scared at the party. No, maybe you don't know his place of relationship. Maybe he prays differently from the way you pray. You see? But maybe when you see him sitting there and he's, you know, playing with you, you think that he's playing all the time. Or maybe he has ways he relates with God differently from the way you relate with God. 
So you don't take your faith with everyone else. No, you build your own according to what is able to work for you. And now I'm talking to the maturation of the soul. As your soul matures, you learn to know what works for you. And when you know what works and how it works, you keep doing it. Also, when the Bible says, men ought to always pray and not faint. Some people, when they read that, they mean wake up at 3 a.m. and pray. And that's a good thing. Some people, when they read that, they put aside the time in the morning at 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. and pray. And for them, that's the prayer life. And probably it works for them. And some it work. That's okay. And then there are people like me. Me, I don't have a definitive time of prayer. I pray always, all the time. I pray in my car. I pray in the evening. If it hits me at midday, I'll get the Bible. If it hits me at 4 p.m., I'll read. If it hits me at 9 p.m., I'll read. I don't have a definitive time, but all I know is that I have a constant flow of relationship with God. That's my way. That's just my way. I know how to connect. I don't need 30 minutes to connect to the realm of the Spirit. When I just close my eyes like this and it's there. If I want to demonstrate power now, I can just, and the power of God moves. That's my way. Then you find a fellow whose way is crooked and he also thinks that he's going to demonstrate power the same way. No, we're different. First connect to God and understand your vibrations. The waves of the spirit that stir you to the place that he has him. And all of us will have personal prints in the spirit. I want you to note that. But back to what I say. We emphasize that the righteousness which is of faith arouses more faith, springs up into more faith. And so the man who has not understood this righteousness will stay in a certain level of faith. And so the problem with some individuals, they stay in that level of faith. (laughs) So this fellow says, you know, I think you don't know the word. How can you say we don't fall sick? How can you say we don't get poor? Listen, it's possible for you to live a life where you've never fallen sick. It's possible for you to live a life where you've never lacked. It's possible for you to live a life where you've never been afflicted, carried destruction, or any impression of that sort. Isaiah 54 verses 14, give me the amplified version. He says, you shall establish, not just here, establish yourself in righteousness. That is rightness in conformity with God's will and order. And he says, and you shall be far from even the thought of oppression or destruction. He says, for you shall not fear and from terror. He says, for it shall not come near you. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. He says, if you learn to be established in the righteousness of God and conform yourself to God's will and order. So this is God's will and order. He says, you shall be far, very far, very far. He says, from even the thought. Some of you are struggling with vain imaginations. You sit there and you think a guy hitting you. Why you? You've not yet understood the doctrine. You look at your mother and you imagine her dead. When she's healthy, You look at your father and you imagine him lame. Even when the man is walking with both legs. You think about your business and you imagine it going. Oh, I refuse. But why are those thoughts coming in your head? You've not yet understood righteousness. You're not yet established in righteousness. Remember, when we're talking about the armor of God, he talks about 
the helmet of salvation. Why do we need to have that helmet? Why? Because this is the mind. These are the strongholds. These are your imaginations. These are all thoughts to the obedience of Christ. This mind is important. Your thought life, okay, in this head. This mind is very important. It carries the precision of your eyes. It's the mind. It conceives and functions in that uniqueness, you see? And he talks about the weapons of our warfare, which are not carnal. They're mighty in Christ for the putting down of strongholds. They cast down imaginations and breaking every high thing that exalts itself above our knowledge. Where's the knowledge in the head of Christ? And bringing all thoughts to the obedience of Christ. Where are the thoughts? And the Bible says, having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is coming. In other words, I'm ready to deal with the devil when you learn how to obey on this pattern. Now, follow this from the helmet of salvation the next is the breastplate of righteousness now if you go back to the understanding of Paul interpreting it from having seen a Roman soldier and how they dressed the breastplate covered the most vital parts of a man now look at this your heart he says guard your heart for out of it are the issues of life he says for out of the abundance of the heart, so the mouth speaketh. And what guards that heart? Righteousness. You see that? It's righteousness. You must understand that this is important to have that breastplate of righteousness. You need that breastplate of righteousness. You see? Your loins are guarded with truth, but you need the righteousness. So when we're talking about the heart, the Bible says, nothing from without, COVID, viruses, nothing from without, entering into a man defiles him. Nothing, nothing without a man entering him defiles him. And I'm going to say this, and I don't care how you read it, but this is the truth. It's not the man you're seated with with a disease or a flu, that flu moving in the air that defiles you. It's not what makes you sick. It's not what makes you sick. Nothing from without entering a man defileth him, but the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile the man. And later in the verses, it speaks of the things that come out of the heart of a man. The things that come out of your heart are the things that defile you. The thought that when you sit next to someone with flu, you will get it. <laughs> that is the thing that brings you flu. In fact, that thing is so dangerous that even if the man who has the flu has not passed it to you, another flu will move in the air and find you still. Did you hear that? Because he says, within out of the heart of men proceedeth evil thoughts, adulteries, and all these kinds of things. They come from the heart. So if you know how to guard your heart, if you tell yourself, I cannot die of this, you're right. You are right. If you say, I cannot die of this, you are right. Because it's in the rightness of God and the rightness of the Spirit. If you say, I cannot be poor, it's from your heart. You cannot be poor. Oh, so what if I see financial issues around? Yes, 
but you cannot be poor. If you say, I cannot be poor, you cannot be poor. If you say, I cannot get this disease, you will not get it. But you see, there are people who say, I cannot, but in their heart, their heart is saying, oh, you're lying, you can't. You can't, Michael, you can't, Peter, you can't. But I say, I cannot get this. And they're fighting to believe it. If you're fighting to believe it, you'll get it. Because that realm is not for believing people. That realm is for people who have believed. The Bible says, we which have believed, he said, have entered into rest. He didn't say we which are believing. No, he says, we which have believed have entered into rest. So that realm is for men which have believed. I believed that I can't die. Not I believe that I can't die. No, I believed. This is the spirit of faith. For as we have believed, he says, so have we spoken. So have we spoken as we have believed, right? Now, the heart, I could express that. I could express your stomach, the spaces of digestion. Remember, the word is like food. You see, your comprehension of truth. All of this is guarded. Now, look at the vital parts of a human being, your heart, your liver, your kidneys, all of these things that make function. You can lose your feet and leave. You can lose your hands and leave. But this area right here, and he says, that's the breastplate of righteousness. And he says, you just don't need to know it. You have to be established in it. And he says, if you establish yourself in righteousness, he says, you shall be far. He says, even from the thought of oppression or destruction. That means you can't even wake up and imagine destruction. You can't even wake up and imagine sickness. You can't even wake up and think that your child will die and fall off a building. You can't wake up and think, you know, but there are people who are in perpetual thought. Oh, what if that thing does this and then it does this to that individual? What's wrong with you? You're not established in the righteousness of God. And because of that, you don't have the faith to keep you from falling. You see that? And so you will be far from even the thought of oppression or destruction, for you shall not fear. You see? For you shall not fear. Because it says, you are only justified to the realm of your faith, and you are condemned or defiled to the realm of your fear. Because the issue here is fear. The opposite of faith is fear. And it says, and from terror, anything that could terrorize your life, anything that could terrorize your body, anything that could terrorize your family, it says, it shall not come near. Do you know the meaning of it shall not come near? It ain't mean that it will come but then hit you for a few days and go. No. That one is the many of the afflictions of the righteous. Those are the many of the afflictions and the Lord delivers them from them and it is true at that level. But let's go to the level where even that thing cannot come near. In other words, it sees you from afar and it sees a righteous man and says uh-uh, let me look for another fellow who is in a lower truth and that is your testimony in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Psalms 91 verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand. And the Bible says, and it shall not come near you. The Amplified says, only a spectator, not the afflicted. Only, only, underline the word only, not among the afflicted, the victimized, though I'm also suffering from COVID. No, it says, only a spectator shall be you yourself inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High as you witness the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord not science, the Lord not chemistry, the Lord not government, the Lord not banks, the Lord your refuge and the Most High your dwelling place. 
there, listen, verse 10, there shall no evil, no evil befall you, nor any plague or calamity come near your tent. Again, he has emphasized, come near. Just raise your voice and thank God. Thank you, Lord. Thank God this time saying that you disease from today, not only have I banished you out of my body, commanded you to be flushed out, but you'll never come near me again. You will see me and run. Poverty, you will see me and run. Weakness, you will see me and run. Just raise your voice. Come on, receive that word. Get it in your spirit. 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 Receive it in your soul. Say it now, not come near me. Disease shall not come near my family. Disease shall not come near my spouse. It cannot come near my relatives. It cannot come near my people. In the mighty name of Jesus. Poverty is far from me. Weakness is far from me. Strife is far from me. Destruction is far from me. The waves of violence are far from me. In the mighty name of Jesus. The winds of destruction destruction are far from me in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, raise your voice and pray. If you're there and you're sick in your body, I rebuke that spirit of infirmity and disease. And this time I take the boldness to tell it, no longer shall you dwell in that body. You will never come back to that body again. Mention your sickness. COVID leave. HIV leave. Cancer leave. Irakotabako. STDs leave. Blind eyes open. Deaf ears open. Thumbs. Makotapata, Alzheimer leave, dementia. I curse you in the mighty name of Jesus. Kabarete, asthma leave in the name of Jesus. Bone problems, arthritis leave in the mighty name of Jesus. Shapate kere, mete brakata, shala prozelekende, sole prozekete. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise. Clap like you know that those diseases now are far. Poverty is far. Destruction is far. Evil is far. Come on, clap, 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 clap your hands to Jesus. And if you've never given your life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This is the time. Receive Him and receive this righteousness we're talking about. Say, Lord Jesus. I thank you because you died for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 41 466 
1-800-242-4291 or email us at funerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at UMA Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.